This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore, AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Hey, Rocketship listeners, before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that next Thursday, I'll be doing an exclusive workshop for Product Collective on the amazing flywheel effect. So if you're a product manager or really anyone working on a product team and want to learn how to create sustainable compounding growth for your product, go to industryconference.com forward slash virtual dash workshops. That's industryconference.com forward slash virtual dash workshops, or just find it on the homepage of industryconference.com and sign up for my workshop. Um, it'll be a three hour intensive session. It's going to be great. We're going to have a lot of fun. So I hope to see you there. So, Mike, I think you would agree that 2020 was, let's say, disruptive to all of us. Yeah, I, I think you can say that. That's pretty obvious. Maybe 
the biggest understatement you could ever make. <laughs> so today we have two, what I would call, say, pandemic-related confessions. Okay. Well, I'm guessing that at least one of them is, I don't know, maybe about a bad remote transition kind of a thing. You know what? We're going to wait until after the intro to reveal that. All right. Well, let's roll with them. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka. And I'm Mike Belsito. So today's first confession is absolutely about a bad remote transition, but not in the way you're probably thinking. We're, we're talking some major Big Brother vibes going on here. Big Brother vibes. All right, I'm intrigued now, Michael. Okay, but first, let's welcome our special guest for today, Brenna Lowry, the head of marketing at Doist. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat about these workplace confessionals today. They're super juicy. But yeah, I work at Doist. We are a fully remote company of about 90 people in about 35 different countries. We've been fully remote for about a decade now, and I am the company's head of marketing. And we create apps that help people improve their personal and workplace productivity. So we're the creators of Todoist, which is a popular productivity app. And we also uh, created Twist, which is a team communication app that we target towards other remote companies as well. Amazing. All right. Well, we're really, really glad to have you with us here today. So I think we should just get right into that first confession. We're titling it Getting Back at the System. I work at a large international financial services company as a product owner. As far as software product people go, I probably have lived the most corporate life that you could have, and I don't mean that in an endearing way. In the office, we would have to wear shirts and ties, badges with our faces on them clipped to our hips, and I work in a sea of cubicles. There were no company paid coffee bars, no free meals or other frills that you hear about at other tech companies. But a job is a job. They do pay me well, and I live a decent life that I can't complain much about until the pandemic happened. At first, COVID was definitely a blow to all of us, but when it became apparent that we weren't going back to office anytime soon, I had this realization. I'm a remote worker now. No more commute, no more business attire. The meals still weren't free, but I'd much rather eat the stuff in my house than the company's cafeteria. Until the email came. Our corporate HR manager let everybody know that we would have to be installing this program on our computers at home. That program would literally take pictures of us randomly throughout the day to make sure that we were actually working at our computers. To say that it nearly started a revolt was an understatement. Everybody hated the company for it. But what were we supposed to do? I can tell you what we weren't supposed to do. We weren't supposed to write another computer program that effectively fed the other program random images of me sitting at my computer whether I was actually there or not. But that's what I did. Every day, you sit down and let it take a hundred pictures of you in a matter of seconds. Then, when the company's program takes the picture, it doesn't actually take a picture, but is fed a picture that my computer program provides. To stick it to them a little more, I take extra long breaks now, and I don't feel bad about it whatsoever. That's my confession. And I have to admit, I don't really feel bad about it. 
whatsoever. That might be one of my most favorite confessions that we've had so far this year. Brenna, what do you think about this one? My first thought was, I love this guy. Can I hire him? Because he's like the whole vibe that I want in my life right now. Uh, I don't think he should feel bad at all. I think he should... I mean, if I'm being totally honest, like I would want to stick it to these people also. Um, so I think he did like when you are pushed into a corner like that, uh, you kind of have to take these drastic measures. And this guy just happens to be super clever about it. I love it. I think it's very smart. In your, your organization, um, and I kind of we picked these confessions because I, I remember seeing your organization's a remote first organization, right? Yeah, we've been uh, fully remote for probably the last 10 years. And we are, you know, about 100 people in about 35 different countries. Um, and this like, uh, sort of tracking surveillance state is like literally everything that we go against. It's uh, it's just awful. And it's really sad to see this happen because it gives remote work uh, a super bad rap. What types of processes do you set up now remote? And and could they set up instead of watching people? Because it, yeah. it's kind of like the mimic of the physical to 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 then measure progress and measure, you know, productivity. I mean, it's a tough situation to try and compare apples to apples because what we do as a fully remote company, like we hire for trust specifically mm -hmm. so that we don't have to um, subject any of our employees to this uh, like horrific surveillance state. Yeah. So this is something that we are super mindful of hiring for in the first place. And our entire company culture is based around trust instead of tracking. So we're really set up in a different way that like all of our, the tools that we use and the software and the company culture, like everything is really revolves around trust. And it's hard to imagine. I don't know. I, I don't have much experience working with in like this corporate environments. I've been with Duist for like eight years now, but it, it's, it's, almost a stretch of the imagination to like assume that this like big corporate company with this like big HR department is gonna you know change their culture overnight and just because like one department is um, leading a revolt but I, I was kind of thinking like how how he could maybe approach this like if he is not willing to switch jobs, which I think could be a good alternative. <laughs> Very good solution. <laughs> yes. Um, we're hiring at Duist. So, you know, if he's looking, um, <laughs> but I was thinking like one piece of advice that we tend to give people um, that are stuck in this situation is kind of take baby steps, honestly. So at this stage in the game, we've been dealing with COVID for what, almost a year now. Um, yeah. Like, I feel like his team should be able to show that they have been able to, hopefully, I mean, I, I'm assuming <laughs> that they've mm -hmm. been able to get their work done this whole time. And, you know, uh, like productivity has more or less stabilized since the initial, like, headbanger of, you know, the COVID and going remote and everything. Yeah. I'm wondering, uh, I, I don't know how flexible the company is, but like, if he could approach HR and say, like, look, our team is getting our work done. Maybe we could do a pilot period of this, uh, you know, turn off this software and and you guys can see that we are are continuing to to do our work. And I think if he sort of approached it in that way and then also like 
backing it up with maybe some data from his team and the company as a whole and hopefully other industry peers, like he would be able to make a, a pretty good case. Hopefully this is more of like a lesson for the companies that do do this kind of thing. It's like the, what you're trying to do, which is, I, I guess, have some sort of productivity check or something, but really what you're doing is you're just creating more distrust and you're just now, totally. now you're making them very productive and finding ways to get around this barrier <laughs> that you're trying to put up. Exactly. They're spending exactly. more effort getting around it than, uh, than actually just doing their work. Yeah. I mean, it just like, I feel like it has the complete, you know, it clearly has the complete opposite effect of what they're, what they're hoping to achieve. Like it just, demotivates people it feels demoralizing like why can't my company trust me you know i don't know how long he's been working there but you know, he's probably has some tenure but it yeah i think it's like it forces people into these into these corners and then um the results are just going to be even worse than if you hadn't done this in the first place <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised if productivity has gone down since it yeah. ran this, if someone yeah. actually stepped back and took a look, because uh, productivity isn't button seat, right? Productivity is output. And I, I think the company really needs to change their mindset to measuring output rather than, or even better than output is outcomes rather than uh, time in seat. Yeah. I mean, as a, um, you know, working remotely for so long, like it's very obvious when people aren't doing their work. You know, uh, for us, that is the biggest indicator. Like, I don't care how many hours my team works. I don't care where they work from. Like, they could work from 11 p.m. to 5 in the morning. I don't give a F, basically. <laughs> um, but you'll be able to tell, like, if they turn in their work or if they don't. Like, that is the kind of the end of the story. Like, what else do you need, you know? We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Okay, so for our second confession, we have one that, well, maybe a couple of our listeners uh, might have tried. I don't know. This It's a little, little extreme. <laughs> well, let's just go ahead and roll it. This one is called, My Company Doesn't Know That I Moved Yet. So, here's the thing. I moved nearly halfway across the country, and I haven't told my company about it yet. I used to live about five miles from our corporate headquarters here in Silicon Valley. It was a pretty easy commute, but my wife and I really hated paying so much to rent a house. She's a writer and has always worked remote, but having been in my company for nearly eight years, it was nice to be able to work so close to the office. So we never really even thought about moving. But then the world went remote, including my company. After a few weeks, it became clear that we weren't going to be back to the office anytime soon. There were some rumors that we may never go back. The company hasn't been clear about that, but working remote has actually been an easier adjustment than I thought. So one random weekend, my wife and I went zillowing. We were just browsing houses around near where her parents lived. My parents live in New Zealand, but hers live in the Midwest. We always sort of talked about moving out to the Midwest to be closer to her parents and sister, and I get along great with my brother-in-law. I actually have a few friends that are near too, as my wife and I both went to college there. We found a house, uh, okay, I'll call it a small mansion, that had the mortgage that was less than what we were paying for our two-bedroom condo. Even better, it was right on the river and was perfect for jet skiing, and came with a dock and all. So... On a whim, we made an offer, and before we knew it, we had ourselves a riverside mansion. I've been living there for the past few months, and we love it. But my confession, 
Well, I haven't even told my company that we moved yet. Our mail is being routed. I kind of wanted to see what our policy was going to be. And I've had my eye open for other remote product roles anyway. But for now, nobody knows. Well, except our family and close friends and now you. All right, Brenna, what did you make of this one? I'm also like really happy for this person. Uh, You know, I say good for you, man and family. Uh, Like (laughs) this is the exact beauty of remote work. um, And I think people should totally embrace it. I'm curious why they felt they couldn't tell their company though, too. That was one thing that kind of stood out to me. That's what I was wondering also. I I have a lot of questions for these people. Like I'm I'm wondering, (laughs) (laughs) I was also wondering how big is the company and maybe Mm. like who knows if it's a big enough company, like there's a possibility that other people have done this as well. Maybe not like as drastic of a move as to the Midwest, but maybe, you know, even outside of the San Francisco Bay area or like up and down the Pacific coast, at least in the same time zone. Yeah. I think like you mentioned hiring for trust in in, in the last one, right. As a remote company, I think what we're seeing is a lot of that fractured trust, but actually from the company side where they they certainly do not trust their employees and that's really what the office represents for them is that is that security when we take that away it's very clear that they don't trust their employees and this person doesn't they may they may not but they don't feel confident in saying i made this decision i i'm still working every day right and he doesn't really feel confident with how the company's going to handle that which also kind of reveals a lack of trust for a lot of these companies who have you know, required people to come into an office, but it does feel like we're moving into a new era and companies need to adjust. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I feel like people's world has been completely opened up. I mean, it it has in so many ways and, you know, trying to like forcibly cling yourself to the past is not, not the best way forward, I think. And again, like kind of going back to the other uh, confessional also, like it's, it's kind of demotivating if, uh, if your company is like, well, you know, you've been working remotely for all this time and you've been doing a great job, but sorry, <laughs> uh, you know, when the world goes back to normal, then, you know, our, our trust is, yeah, trust is going to yeah. be a finite resource as well. Do you see companies going back? I'm, I'm like seeing that already, which is, is kind of mind boggling. Like my really? younger brother has to be in the office and he lives in, mm. in California and I, I don't know, it just, his his job could be done totally remotely. So I um, have a hard time understanding this, especially it's been a year. Uh, yeah. What, why, what, what is the hesitation with, I'm, I mean, I get it. It's like a lot of hoops to jump through and it's a lot of cultural changes that you have to make, but in the end, like making that investment in your company's culture and, and your employees as human beings is going to pay yeah. off more in the long term. One of the things I'm seeing actually with my wife's company, like they're talking about, I've, of course, this is like, it's not like she told me. I just hear conference calls now that I probably shouldn't <laughs> yeah. even be hearing. So I don't even know if I should say that. But like, I hear them talking about like, hey, may, you know, maybe as an option down the road, do we, do we um, not, requ- you know, maybe there's a point where you require people to come in like it was before. But also there's an option of like, hey, our office is now like, it's like hoteling, like almost like a co-working space that's right. sort of optional. But like when you come in, pick a pick a spot, any spot. Um, it, yeah. it does seem like things might be, if anything, hopefully like this just gets people to think about, just rethink their situation. And I don't think that's the worst thing. Um, I, I don't think everybody is made for 
like being a fully remote worker. Um, I work this way because I am like a very introverted person and I've been doing this for 10 years and I'm really used to it. And, uh, but other people like just don't thrive in this environment and they need that, you know, <laughs> regular human interaction. So I think that that's a, a pretty good policy, but when it comes to like kind of dividing your remote workforce and, you know, having people who are always at home or always in the office, then I think stuff gets pretty, um, it can get complicated because then you create divisions within, in teams. And it's true. I don't know. I've been on those teams where I've been the remote person and everyone else is in the office and they come back from lunch and they decisions have been made right. without you and That's definitely awful. feel excluded. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's up down. I have kind of like a bl black and white perspective of remote work. If I'm being totally honest, like I think either you are all in or you're not all in. And like, I do think that this gray area can exist of having this revolving door office. Actually, we have one of those, it, um, our company, it's in Portugal, like anybody can go work there basically. Um, but none of the communication that happens in that office, like, um, affects the way that we make decisions. Like all of our communication is still done um, in our team communication app so that everybody's on the same page. Like I think you have to be really mindful about setting those boundaries and making that explicit and in that way it can work, but otherwise it could get kind of tricky. Yeah. I think like you said. Like if it's not in the app, it didn't happen. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, and, th and that has happened a few times. Like, you know, uh, people will maybe go up go out to lunch or something and then they'll say like look we had this type it all out we had this conversation at lunch what do you guys think um but yeah that's a it's a it's a cultural shift definitely that a lot of people are gonna have to be mindful about making okay we will be right back with our two big takeaways from today's episode but first a word from our sponsors So before the break, we heard two very pandemic-related confessions, and now it's time for our two big takeaways. All right. You know what, Michael? I'm going to go first. Uh, I'm going to take mine from that first confession, getting back at the system. What I really took away was companies need to adapt or they're going to get left behind. Really? That's that's what you took from it? Well, hear me out, okay? Okay. Th that company that this person works for, who's deploying these big brother tactics by spying on their employees and using these draconian methods for, you know, improving productivity, at least that's what they think they're doing, they're not going to be able to keep up. And eventually, they will be left behind. They're going to bleed employees who don't want to be treated like children and I believe this solution is really indicative of how they solve problems as a whole, most likely anyway. So I can't imagine this company's product innovation is much different, really. Instead of trying to solve the problem from a uniquely remote perspective, they simply tried to adapt the worst part of in-office management <laughs> into remote work, and it's obviously caused more harm than good. All right. I, I'm with you there. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so I'll take mine from the second confession. My company doesn't know that I moved yet. Now, I realize this is new territory, and we've all been on the edge trying to figure out what the future holds, but we need to have trust in the companies that we work for, and the companies need to be able to trust us, especially when everyone is remote. And this confession is indicative that that trust doesn't exist between this person and this company. And I'm not exactly sure why they're scared to tell their boss that they've relocated, but eventually they're going to have to come clean, and that's if they don't get caught first. But 
it's going to be really hard to rebuild those relationships. So maybe the company will write this off as a pandemic chaos, but I think it's a sign of a bigger problem between the company and its employees and one that started probably well before the pandemic. I do hope they're able to reconcile, but I don't know. It might be time for this person to move on. All right. Well, it seems like in this episode and these two confessions, trust really seemed to be the common theme here. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, until next time, Michael. Which is next week. Yes, next week indeed. Well, we've been Mike Belsito. And Michael Saka. From Rocketship.fm, and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. It is your support that keeps the show going. If you can, take a second and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps out the show so much. We're also part of the Podglomerate Network, and if you'd like to listen to more great shows from the Podglomerate, go to thepodglomerate.com to see the full show listings. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. Go to productcollective.com and get access to our weekly newsletter, live video interviews, Slack community, product job board, and a whole lot more. Again, just go to productcollective.com.